BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover more about our wondrous world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits. From our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world. And learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, September 29th is just moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Oh, there's the brown line again. It's roaring and a rumbling. All right, your song of the day. The Doobie Brothers taking it to the streets. Taking it to the street. Taking it to the street. Whoa. That's me. Now I'm going to do the little piano. Woo. Yeah. All right. Okay. Maybe take that one to the alley. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Tuesday, September 29th, and yes, still live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of our dear friend and Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke Masava. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this $750 Tuesday. And here's why. Good weekend. Did you have a good weekend, D? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, yeah it was great. Go for a bike ride? Uh, well, a little bit of one. Tried Saturday. It was a little too windy for my liking. Yeah, Whitney, a little too weak. Who's looking down the street? Soda? I'm like that jukebox. You say one song, I start singing it. Anyway, <laughs> I had a great weekend. I saw a funny movie. I saw The Upside. Have you seen The Upside, D? Uh, no, I have not. Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston, good flick. Oh, no, no, I have. I, I have. I have. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. That all, I was like, oh, he did see it. No, I, I touched a nerve. And then he, uh, he fooled me again. Good. Darn it. Saw a bunch of wrestling videos. Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
We'll talk about this later. This is what we call a tease, D, a tease. Dennis will play a major role in this discussion. He didn't even know about it because uh, I kept it from him in the pre-show prep. Now he's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? I got to research. Oh no, he doesn't have to research. He knows his stuff inside now. Yeah, so we'll hiding information from the producer, uh, not good pre-show prep, but okay, that's fine. Yeah, I know. Uh, but the highlight of the weekend, as you might imagine, came on Sunday when I saw Donnie Trump's taxes. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I've been waiting for this day for the last four or so years. Ever since young Donald walked down those stairs to announce he was running for president, I figured, well, let's see how much this man is really worth and how he made it. I actually did not see his taxes. I saw the New York Times gargantuan expose on the subject. Kudos to the Times. Somehow they got the taxes. And the reporter in me is just wondering how they got the taxes. That's the part of the story they haven't really put the light on, D. You know what I mean? Who gave them the taxes? Was it one hmm. person who just gave a big box filled with tax returns? Or was it like... 20 different people who like gave him a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they assembled it. They put all the reporters in the back room and assembled it. Anyway, it was a great story. And uh, maybe one day, I guess they're going to reveal who gave them the taxes when they write the book and then do the movie. Until then, I guess, I guess uh, it's a mystery until then. (laughs) Very well done. Very, you know what? Who gave the, who gave the taxes? Oh. oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love when you play the X-Files theme. Anyway, read the story. It was a long story. And I was uh, so exhausted or so in need of f- fresh air when I uh, finished reading it that I went for a walk. And while I was walking, I called Monroe Anderson. And who else would I call, D? The man who's at the Well, apparently not me. <laughs> I had talked to you before about wrestling. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah, get to right, that. That's right, that's right. We'll get every friend in his place, D. You don't mix friends up. I'm not going to call Monroe and ask him about wrestling, and I'm not going to call you and talk about Donald Trump's taxes. All right? <laughs> okay. Uh, Darn. So anyway... <laughs> You'll be you'll be surprised and not surprised. Just kidding you that Monroe knew all about the story already, had already read it and was watching obsessively, as he always does, MSNBC. So here I am walking down the street. D. It's dark. You know, it, it gets really dark early now, of course. So it's dark. I'm walking down the street. I'm on my cell phone, uh, my brand new cell phone that works really well. Thank Ooh. you, D. <laughs> and Monroe goes, Michael Cohen is on MSNBC. I'm like, oh, my God, the Michael Cohen. <laughs> Trump's shady ex-lawyer, the one who went to jail. Uh, Trump, sh- somehow or other, Michael Cohen goes to jail for representing Trump, but Trump hasn't gone to jail yet. His time will come. Anyway, Trump's uh, getting his revenge He's written a book that's number one in America. He's got a podcast that has many more listeners than we do. How is that possible, D, that Michael Cohen already has more listeners than we do? Damn you, Cohen. (laughs) Bastard. Damn you, Cohen. Uh, You know, you got to look at it this way, D. There's like us. Joe Rogan, and somewhere in the middle is Michael Cohen. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Rogan, us, in the middle, Cohen. All right, anyway. So there's Cohen on w, on MSNBC, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could hear him. Monroe goes, no problem. 
And folks, this is what geeks Monroe and I are, why we're such good friends. He takes the phone, puts it right next to the TV so I can hear it. I'm walking down to the street and I'm listening over my phone, Monroe's phone, broadcasting Cohen on TV. How about that, D? And I'll tell you what, you don't want to get Michael Cohen mad at you. He was going strong. He was coming hard at Donald Trump. He was like Stone Cold Stephen Austin with Donald Trump. Okay, D? He was going strong. It's just Steve Austin. Just Steve Austin. He's going to prison, he predicted. Trump's going to take his family with him. They're all a bunch of crooks. I swear to God, the only person in America who despises Trump more than Monroe despises him is Michael Cohen. The big takeaway is the $750, as in the amount Donald Trump paid in taxes the year he got elected. Then he paid $750 in 2017, his first year in office. How much he's paid since then, we don't know. Trump, uh, the Times didn't get access to those tax returns. Before that, it was even worse. Trump went 10 years without paying a nickel. Zero. Say what you say. Say what you want about Donald Trump. He's got some great accountants. I took the deep dive on that expose, so you won't have to, ladies and gentlemen, but knowing my audience the way I do, I'll bet you've all read it. I bet you spent as much time uh, on Sunday reading that thing as I did, and you probably were just like me and Monroe, listening to Michael Cohen on MSNBC as well. It's bad news for Donald Trump. The expose reveals him to be, one, broke, as in about $400 million worth of obligations due in the coming year without any foreseeable means to pay it. Two, a con man, as in projecting the image of a wizard of finances when in fact he was hastily robbing from Peter to pay Paul and staying one step ahead of his debtors. Three, in a heap of trouble. He's got the IRS on his behind. They're looking to recover the $73 million or so refund they cut him a few years back that they shouldn't have cut him in the first place because it's dubious as to whether all the deductions he claimed are legit. And this is where Cohen comes in. Cohen tells a story where he was sitting in the office with Trump and Trump showed him a check for like $10 million, I want to say. He goes, can you believe those dumb beep that the IRS would cut me this check? Here's the thing. Donald Trump's riding high. You got to give him credit about this. I believe, and I believe this having watched some great wrestlers this week, some masters of the craft, that Donald Trump is the greatest con man in American history. i just put it this way. He's the greatest con man in my lifetime, which is a long lifetime so far. He's got 45% of the country willing to follow him off the cliff. They're part of his cult. I got to give him credit for that. I really do. That's that's conning, like it's Michael Jordan-like conning, okay? Greatest of all time conning. So he's got 45% of the country ready to follow him off the cliff. The problem is it's the other 55% he's got to worry about. If they vote against him, 
Trump is sunk because he has so many enemies in the Justice Department, so many lawyers. They can't wait to get their teeth into him. Think about this, folks. He has been bad mouthing them for years and there's nothing they could do about it because he's got his boy Bill Barr installed at the helm, attorney general, bullying those career attorneys, letting them know that they work for Trump, getting to defend him in his rape case, defending him against E. Jean Carroll's accusations. But if Trump loses, Barr's gone. Joe Biden will install his own attorney general. And that attorney general will sick those lawyers and they will be unleashed. Donald will be like that unnamed woman in the Bob Dylan song that Dennis loves so much. Dennis, I'll sing it for you. How does it feel to be on your own with no direction? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> like a complete oh no. Look at you, Dennis. Oh. Like a rolling stone. Oh, Oh, as long as I'm singing Dylan, let's sing the next line. Come on, D. Oh, uh, you never turned around to see the frown on the juggles in the crown clowns when they all did their tricks for you. I don't know. I uh, just wanted to. Sounds just like the album. <laughs> Deadline had no relevancy to anything. I just, you know, had to sing it. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So those lawyers will be coming after Donald Trump. And that's why he has a special incentive to win this election, to stay out of prison. And I'll say this about Donald Trump. He's got great survival skills. He's like a cat with claws. And tonight, in that debate with Biden, you'll see him in all his hissing claws, scratching glory. He'll play every card he's got. He'll say police brutality protesters are looters and thugs and they're burning our cities. He'll say big city mayors are under the control of the looters and the thugs. He'll say, if, if you don't reelect him, all the women in America will be, their lives and safety will be in jeopardy. He'll say that any opponent to Amy Coney Barrett is an anti-Catholic bigot. He'll say, Joe Biden is demented. He'll say the mail on the ballots can't be trusted. And he'll, be ab- and he'll abide by the election results only if he wins. He'll say that Biden believes in a platform of abortion, appeasement, and acid. Wait. That's what Nixon said about McGovern in 1972. Hmm, some things haven't changed, everybody. And about that $750, call it fake news. He'll say the Times doesn't understand business. He'll say the Times is anti-Catholic. He'll change the subject. And when it's over, 45% of America will be cheering him. The cult is ready to follow him wherever he leads. But like I said, it's that other 55% he's got to be worried about. If they don't join the cult, Michael Cohen may be right. And Donnie Trump will leave the White House and go to prison. We got a great show to Harry. <laughs> I had to wait for Dr. D to get in position for no that collusion. one. Yes, no collusion indeed. Maya will be joining us, and uh, she wrote a masterpiece for the reader. We're going to take it uh, step by step through it. It's a classic uh, Chicago reader story, one of those classic epics that the reader, only the reader writes, really. Uh, and I was reading it. Uh, I've read it twice now. I thought it's brilliant. So she's going to lead us through that. We'll talk about First Tuesday. We'll talk about the debate tonight. We'll talk about Trump's taxes. I'm, I'm curious. Has Maya paid more in taxes than Donald Trump? I got, I got a feeling she has. I got a feeling all of us have. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to the conversation with Maya. Before we do that, the young man from Alton. The man who pays his taxes. Oh, yeah. 
back home in Alton, they call him taxpaying Dennis with the news. How's it going, everybody? Yes, I do pay my taxes. Uh, yes, it is debate night. Will Joe Biden call out the commander in chief? Will Donald Trump say something crass about the former vice president? And the bigger question, will both of our elderly presidential candidates have enough technological capability to figure out how to do this whole thing online? A big day for national news. But let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, huh? No public events scheduled for our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Remember that, everybody. Very, very wise. Very wise. Oh, man. One more time. Big problems. Got it, D. Okay. It's a beautiful, crisp fall afternoon. Maybe J.B. Pritzker's visiting a pumpkin farm or an apple orchard, (laughs) or maybe he's caught in a corn maze. Actually, he's doing none of these things because according to a press release, a J.B. Pritzker staffer has tested positive for COVID-19 and the governor will be self-isolating for 14 days. The staff member was tested on Wednesday during weekly testing for the governor's office and was negative. After experiencing symptoms, though, the staff member was tested again Monday and confirmed as positive. The staffer attended events with the governor on Wednesday in Chicago, Thursday in Marion, and Sunday in Marseilles. Both the governor and the staffer were wearing masks during the entirety of their interactions. Uh, In accordance with state and federal guidelines, the governor and all close contacts will self-isolate for 14 days. In Mm. addition, all staff Mm. who currently report to the office are being tested and must test negative before reporting back to the office. Yesterday, all samples that were ran uh, to test for COVID-19 came back negative. Staff members reporting to the office have followed all public health safety protocols, including weekly testing, daily temperature checks, wearing face coverings, social distancing, and strict hygiene procedures. The office undergoes a weekly uh, deep cleaning and an additional deep cleaning was conducted on Monday night. It says here the governor will continue to hold regular COVID-19 press briefings, which are live streamed. You can live stream them at illinois.gov forward slash live video, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. So yeah, J.B. Pritzker staffer has tested positive, Ben. So uh, just to be clear, I didn't see the story because it wasn't in the real newspaper. It was on the Internet. Gosh, darn it. Internet. Fake news, as Donald Trump calls uh, it. The fake Internet. Fake news. <laughs> the Internet. Fake news. Uh, but did they uh, identify the staffer? I didn't. No. no the staffer said that it has not been revealed. Um, and uh, does it say I was listening carefully, but I don't remember. Did they say where J.B. Pritzker will be? uh Hiding out for the next 14 days? No, it did not say where he'll be hiding out for the next 14 days. I wonder if he'll be at the Gold Coast Mansion that had the toilet gate. Possibly. I'm going Thompson Center. He loves the Thompson Center. (laughs) Matt, just put me here. I just had a tie one story to the other i thought that was brilliant brilliantly done you thank you d for that's good uh, appreciating you know because you know jb had his own tax problems for a while with the, he had his own problems with the tax man as you recall uh toilet gate but as i pointed out in a recent column i wrote for the reader which is not a, a published yet at least jb pritzker when he got nailed for toilet gate paid the tax bill Young Donald Trump is looking at a tax. Oh, my God. I don't know how Donald Trump. He's, he's going to come up with $72 million. 
I mean, that's that's how much the IRS wants back. Seventy two million. Where's that butter cow guy? Seventy two million dollars. You love that butter cow <laughs> clip. My goodness. So anyway, I just had a you know, you mentioned Jamie Pritzker uh, and it was just like a knee jerk reaction. You know how you like you kick your knee and your knee goes up. Ding, ding. Oh, yeah. That's, that's ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. Ding, ding. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, J.B. Pritzker, uh, I hope you're well. I, I hope you don't get uh, that illness. This is, here's the thing, Dave. Putting aside the tax problems of, J, of Donald Trump and J.B. Pritzker. You know, we, we go through our lives. We talk about all these news stories, the tax troubles, the debates. Uh, you know, I talk watching movies, watching basketball games, etc., and so forth. And then we kind of like put in the back of our mind that this pandemic is, you know, it's like there, I mean, it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Well, let's talk about today's debate and the will Chris Wallace fact check. Let's go live. You know, all these questions, everybody we're dealing with our lives. But meanwhile, this pandemic is roaring and racing, you know, and I just, right before we went to the news, I told you this briefly, haven't had a chance to, to actually read the story, but there was a notice that came in from the New York Times that there's a spike in New York right now because they've been opening up the schools gradually. And we'll get into all this. I know you have uh, some more updates, Steve, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like we're pretending that life is normal uh, or, uh, but in reality, serious uh, health threat that we're confronting. And uh, so, yeah, my best to J.B. Pritzker. Hope he stays safe and sound. You know, D, uh, despite his tax problems, I, you know, I got a soft spot for J. You know that, huh? I, what, what oh, is it yeah. Oh, yeah. You love the big feller. <laughs> and I didn't even vote for him. You know, it's that tax thing. I, that was part of the reason. Remember that? Remember I was going on and on back then? Oh, yeah. You know, the hypocrisy, D, you can't ask people for high, to raise their taxes. If you don't pay your taxes, it's going to come back to haunt the Democrats. You wait, you see. That's what I was saying. If you dug up those old clips from wherever I was, forget where I was, saying all those things back in 2008, that's what I was saying. I wrote it in the reader as well. I voted for young Danny Biss. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You love you, you're, you're right. proud of that, right? You're proud. You're glad you did that. Right? <laughs> no, I'm not. I wish I voted for Tiber like you did. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ben, this one's for you. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Whoa! <laughs> Uh, state fair tradition. I still haven't been to the Illinois State Fair. Gosh darn it. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so uh, J.B. Pritzker, uh, I didn't vote for you, but I, he won me over. I kind of, I do like the big fella. I hope he's healthy and well. I think he's doing a pretty good job despite it all. So yeah. um, two things I want to bring up uh, in this story. Uh, one would be the fact that, you know, Pritzker, uh, you know, very thorough, I'm assuming, about uh, ha the handling of all this, you know, temperature checks and all that. Uh, and a staffer still got it. Uh, that's very interesting, right? Yeah. Well, you never know about the secret lives of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to, should I shatter the fourth wall? Break that bastard. Okay, we're going. Uh, in the old days, when Dennis would come to my house to do the show, I trusted him. 
Oh, I trusted awesome. Doctor D. Thanks. And but my daughters, on the other hand, who were very concerned, I'm like, can you trust him? Do you know what he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> I go, he's an honorable young man, and he would not infect me with the virus. So yes, I trust him. But then. He went to Alton that one week, and we discovered Google Meet. And I don't think I'll see you again, D, for another year. We're being safe, all right? Better yes. safe than sorry. And so that's the thing. Yeah, the, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to cast this person. I don't even know who the person is. But, yeah, people, they go about their lives, right? So maybe there was a party that the aide went to. Maybe he went to a nursing home. I have no idea, but... You never, you never know what secrets people have. Right. So I just hope uh, JB stay, stays safe. I think he's doing a good job. And the other question, uh, too, it just kind of goes to show these, the testing, right? Like she tested uh, on a Wednesday and negative, and then just a few days later, positive. I mean, how many tests do you got to take here? You know what I mean? Well, I know some millennials, and I will not name them. And whoops, this thing, let me just take care of this. Got it. Mm. Um, yeah, some computer stuff. Do you wouldn't understand? It's high tech computer oh, you're thing. You're so high tech. <laughs> Bill Gates, everybody. Uh, more like Mark Zuckerberg. Okay, oh. Gates. Uh, oh. yeah, I'm a little oh. more sophisticated than. Uh, uh, but I know some millennials who get tested once a week, and um, they're obsessed about this. And I'm like, well, you know, but it's the point you're making, you know, well. It's only good. Yeah, you're, the, the, the results come in on a Sunday says you're negative, but what if you get it Monday? So it's insane, D. And the, you know what? So far, I haven't been tested at all. Have you been tested? I can't remember. I, I have not been tested. Yeah, I haven't been tested at all. But every uh, weekend, I go to the library, and they take my temperature when I go in. So that's as close, <laughs> that's as, close as I come. By the way, have you been to a library since... Uh, the pandemic. Yeah. No? Yeah. I actually went out uh, the other day. And well, then, um, you know how intense it is. Yeah. Uh, they're very concerned. <laughs> you go in there, they test you. It's one way, you know, they got uh, all the, uh, there's like, if you're going up the stairs, you got to let the other people come down first. I mean, just one person on the stairs at a time. Uh, yeah, know, I, and I was going, I was going up the stairs, and I went just, just I just kind of grabbed my mask. I guess it looked like I may have been taking it off, and the and the security guy was like, "Hey, don't do that! <laughs> don't take that off!" I'm like, oh, yeah. "Okay, all right." He didn't want to get it. Okay, no kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame. So anyway, yeah, this thing's for real. This thing is no joke. We're pretending as though. Uh, you know, life is just going on as normal. It's real. And by the way, having said this, I made my decision. I'm going to vote uh, in person. I'm going to go to the polling place and cast my ballot the old-fashioned way. Nice. So you're going to, yeah. Well, you know, I figured it's like going to the jewel. So I'll put the mask on, the hazmat suit. You know, okay. I'll be like, you're not wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> All right, and he may be pinned up, as we said, at one of his tent houses at the moment, but J.B. Pritzker is still putting in work. Tonight, the governor will be joining a Biden for President Illinois virtual debate program and watch party. That's right. Before tonight's big debate begins, Pritzker, along with Senator Tammy Duckworth and Chicago City Clerk Anna Valencia, will be saying a few words live on their computers 
and more than likely on Zoom. Ben loves Zoom. You can RSVP online and watch the debate afterwards. Go look it up. The Biden for President Illinois virtual debate program and watch party. Ben, will you be joining that? Mm, probably not. Oh, okay. That was honest. I, uh, I'm debating whether you're even going to watch the debate. No, but Ben, you have to watch it because you're going to be talking about it tomorrow. Good point, Dean. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, that's that's probably why I will watch it. But I, you know, uh, presidential debates I find so annoying. Uh, the format, uh, it's, I find them very annoying. I like the um, the Democratic debates a lot better, and the Republican debates. You know, when they have like the, there's just something about the spectacle of all those candidates trying to remember Bill de Blasio yelling to be to be (laughs) I will be paid attention to hey listen to me so I don't know but uh yeah I I mean of course I'll have to watch it because tomorrow I'll be discussing with Monroe uh and uh but uh yeah I'm definitely not going to a debate party that's for sure virtual or any other (laughs) shout out to kyle on the live stream chat kyle says ben please do not refer to yourself as zuckerberg all right you have much more personality and charisma than that guy who stares blankly into the void all of the time yeah no zuckerberg is a piece of work you're absolutely correct and he's he's like listening to us (laughs) yeah he what a talk about you know what i take back what i said kyle i said that the greatest con man of our generation is donald trump but i gotta think zuckerberg may eclipse him mark zuckerberg figured out a way in which he uh would convince how many is it d 500 million Facebook users, I forget how extraordinary number of Facebook users to voluntarily give up information, private information, which could be harvested, harvested by advertisers. He, he got us to give it to him. Our birthdays, our nicknames, our favorite groups, our favorite TV shows, our likes, our dislikes, our political persuasion, all that. He got us to give it up. Now he's making a fortune selling it to advertisers so you're absolutely correct uh i'd like to think i'm above all that i'm just talking about the uh the wizardry of technology that's of course i don't even know how to use my cell phone Uh, but yeah i think uh, mark zuckerberg is a greater con man than donald trump facebook's awful find us on facebook by the way at the (laughs) j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show uh, yeah, I've got a lot of issues. I just can you just, can I just say this? Facebook's awful. I feel the same way about Twitter. I've I don't even like Instagram anymore. I can't stand any of them, and yet I'm dependent on them. Uh, put a letter in a bottle and push it down the river, and maybe Ben Jarovsky will uh, communicate back to you. Uh, looks like a song by the Police. Message in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Give me credit. Oh, I know my music. You've been right? listening to WXRT. <laughs> all right. Uh, looks like Dog Doggerson on the live stream chat is putting you in the hot seat, Ben Jarofsky. He says, debates annoy me, too. I wonder how Ben feels about town halls. Ooh, the pressure's on. How do you feel about town halls, Ben? Uh, what, are, what, what do you mean by town halls? What exactly? I mean, when you everybody those town gets... hall events where the candidate will sit there and there's a crowd and I guess... It's oh. just a candidate rather than a debate. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, maybe it's just the, this moment in time. I'm getting jaded by it all, D. Uh, I don't believe anything anyone says anymore. Oh, my God, this is horrible. And I'm urging everybody to vote for Joe Biden. It's only because Donald Trump is horrific, ladies and gentlemen, okay? That Michael Thurman interview, I hope you heard that Michael Thurman interview. He was the uh, the anti-war activist I had on a couple weeks ago uh, who confronted Joe Biden. Confronted Joe Biden, called him, uh, a, what is he, a blood on his hand mm-hmm. for his uh, war votes. Very courageous guy. Some might say uh, too courageous for his own good. Uh, Joe Biden walked away from him. And uh, Donald Trump Jr. used that the clip. He put it out on his Twitter feed. There we go. Twitter again. Ah, you and, love uh, it. Millions of, millions of people watched it. And, Thur- and Thurman felt compelled to say, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I despise him. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because Donald Trump is such a threat. And that's kind of how I feel. So at this moment in time, it's hard for me to like really, you know, in indulge myself in town halls and stuff. I just want everybody to vote right now. For What do we even need a debate for? We all know who we're going to vote for. This thing about, I read the New York Times today, D, they were like, they found some quote unquote undecided voter. Are you kidding? Yeah, you're right. Though. You know, I, <laughs> you're not undecided. You're just playing the role of an undecided voter for the uh, New York Times. Oh, and then there was this other article in the New York Times, where Brett Stevens, who's the right-wing columnist, I read them, folks, so you don't have to read them, okay? All right, there you go. I read the right-wingers. Maybe they can change my mind. They never do, but whatever, I read them. So he, he found this. So this guy, Stevens, is a right-winger, but he's, like, he wants to think of himself as smart, so he's too embarrassed to say uh, he's for Trump, by the way. Frank, thank you for sending me that Tribune editorial. I got to get to that, D. The Tribune endorsed Joe Biden. What a joke of endorsement. What a joke of endorsement. We'll get to that. Frank sent me that on Friday. He's another guy, Frank. He's an internet guy. He gets this stuff on the internet like you do. I I saw it in the actual news. Anyway, thanks, Frank. Um, So Brent Stevens found this voter. And, and she was like, I'm not going to say my real name because I'm afraid of retribution, but I'm for Trump. And then she says this to you, and this was the dead giveaway that I knew it was phony. But I love Bernie in 2016, but I'm for Trump now. I'm sorry, D. Nobody who loved Bernie in 2016 can be for Trump. You might be like, well, I... Uh, I can't bring myself to vote for Joe Biden because uh, he's selling out my principles that I believe in. So I'll vote for, I don't know, some third party candidate or I won't vote at all. But to go from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump, I mean, they're opposite sides of the universe. They're like two completely different human beings and the way they look at the world. So I'm like, this is not real. Either Brett Stevens made this person up or this person is fooling Brett Stevens. Okay? Just saying that, D, just putting that out there. This whole notion. This is the, like, so they'll assemble during the debate. Well, we got a room full of undecided voters. When the debate's over, we're going to see what they think. And they'll call, well, what did you think? And they're like, make it like the, like they're testing their brain waves or something to see like if they're lying. 
So I don't believe any of it. I believe most people have made up their mind. Why are we even waiting? Let's just have the election right now. Yeah, I agree with you on that. There are some Bernie supporters who just can't stand the left, right? Like they're just the establishment left, as they say. The liberals. The liberals. liberals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So would you say that those people uh, would kind of take the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of approach? No, because like Thurman, they hate Donald Trump. So they would vote for Jill Stein. They would vote for a third party candidate. If you're a real leftist, you despise Donald Trump. Now, you may say, I have no leftists, many leftists in my world, who will say uh, that Joe Biden is no better than Donald Trump. And so I'm going to vote for Jill Stein. But a, a real leftist who's moved by Bernie Sanders rhetoric and appeal is not going to be voting for Donald Trump. Uh, There could be a a handful out there D, but I doubt that Brett Stevens found one, but they always do that. Like they want to show that the person's like objective. Well, this person has an open mind. They were for Bernie Sanders in 2016 and now they're for Donald Trump. I'm like, "Uh ah, too convenient. Don't believe it. So I don't believe there's any undecided voters. So, you know, the debate's a spectacle, um, but it's a bizarre game of politics, D. So I got to go through four of them, D. Four of them. Don't forget the vice presidential debate. Four of them. You're going to have to watch every single one. All right. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It is a spectacle. I'm going to be ordering pizza like, hey, let's go. Uh, all right, thank now, goodness there's no basketball game tonight. Oh, Boy, thank I, goodness. Thank goodness. I bro. would be torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool. Oh, as wow. the song says. Roll the next line. All right, now to the news in the city of Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, hey, good afternoon, Mayor Lightfoot. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> Where'd you get that good afternoon? That's a new one. <laughs> good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon to you, too, Mayor Lightfoot. Really nice. Uh, No public events scheduled for Mayor Lightfoot this afternoon, so perhaps she's doing fun fall-timey stuff. But hey, let's keep that pandemic talk going, huh? Mayor Lightfoot had some news on Monday, and only time will tell if this is good or bad news. Today we're coming together to announce that our city has made sufficient progress in the fight against COVID-19 to ease some of the restrictions on our businesses and give them more ability to grow and to earn revenue as we start to head into the winter months. Yes, the city of Chicago will be relaxing restrictions on indoor activities after six months of dealing with this damn dirty coronavirus. Uh, With the number of new COVID-19 cases down since August and the test positivity rate around 4.5%, Lightfoot says that the city has made enough progress to relax restrictions on indoor activities. Ben, the mayor was kind enough to lay out the new guidelines. I have the audio. Like to hear it? Here it goes. Starting this Thursday, October 1st, Chicago will ease five of our phase four, four, four guidelines for businesses. And let me outline those. Number one. Indoor capacity will expand from current 25% to 40% for businesses, including restaurants, health and fitness centers, personal services, and non-essential retail. Mass and capacity for any space remains at 50. Mm. I don't know, D. 
I don't know. I mean, I feel for every business. I say this all the time. But as an old geezer who's really nervous about getting uh, the virus, I don't know. I know I'm not going to them. So I think they're doing this, D, because winter's about to come. There's going to be an uptick. We all know uh, the numbers are going to get bad again. We're going to follow the same pattern that other cities are following. Uh, and so they'll have to retreat. So I think what they're trying to do is let these businesses make a little money right now while they can. Uh, so I, I, I don't think I'm going to a restaurant anytime <laughs> soon. I've just got to say that. And I feel bad saying that because I know there's a lot of good people, uh, a lot of good restaurants. I used to go to restaurants, man, two or three times a week. I love eating out. Now I, I take out, I do carry out once a week or twice a week, but uh, nah, too early, D. Absolutely well, too the, early. The mayor has more. Let's hear her out. Maybe she'll convince you here. Second, okay. breweries, taverns, and bars may reopen with indoor seating at 25% capacity or 50 people, whichever is fewer. Third, bars and restaurants serving alcohol will now be able to continue serving until 1 a.m. and remain open until 1.30 a.m. Fourth, the maximum group size of health and fitness classes and after-school programming will increase from 10 to 15. And finally, personal services that require the removal of face coverings, such as facials and shaves, will now be a lot allowed. Um, you go to a bar, D? No. And you're young. No. No. Okay. Uh, so... Listen, I know she's doing, I, I know Lori Lightfoot's been under pressure from the restaurant industry and the restaurant industry has really cozy relationships with mayors. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. So she's, you know, doing them, uh, she's doing them a favor at the moment, but I, I just don't think, uh, I just don't think that uh, we're going to be, let's put it this way. I'll just put it this way. I believe we'll be retreating on this in about, what do you figure? By Christmas time, we'll be we'll be playing the tape where he goes. Should be mad at some bar, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna shut you down. You know, this is like the nice mayor, right? Remember the angry mayor? Um, you're no standing and contemplating nature. By the way, you still can't go to a beach, right? You can't. Well, that beach, yeah, that's forever closed. <laughs> but the bars go to the bars don't get me started d don't get me started but you know she's got to take care of them because um you know they're good to her and you hey know, and, uh, can the so liquor stores open up after 9 p.m finally my goodness where can a feller needs a white claw sometimes you know <laughs> Yeah, man, it's 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 tough all over. Uh, so anyway, is there any more clips than that? Because I just want to talk a little. I have to get something off my chest here. But wait, there's I, more to mitigate yeah. the risks that come with increased capacity. And there are risks. Make no mistake about yeah. it. We will be putting uh, four new protocols in place. Uh, first, unless actively eating or drinking, diners at restaurants must wear face coverings while seated. Let me say that again. Unless you are eating or drinking, you must wear face coverings while seated. Now look, as a person who tries to dine out and support our local businesses, I know that this requirement is a pain in the butt. Let's just be blunt about it. 
but it is absolutely necessary to protect you, protect other diners, and importantly, protect the workers who are coming to your table. Yeah, by the way, Lori Lightfoot remains uh, exceedingly popular in the city of Chicago, D, and uh, she's, she's got it down to a science, the kind of stern. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this while I was reading this uh, this column, which may or may not be real, about the, the Bernie Sanders supporter who supports Donald Trump. And one of the things uh, that she said is how disastrous uh, Democratic mayors are, which is another reason I didn't believe that uh, she was a legit Bernie Sanders supporter, because most Democratic mayors are more closely aligned with Bernie on policies than Donald Trump. Uh, but she said that Bill de Blasio was an absolute disaster in New York City. He was so inept. And that's when it occurred to me. Like, I talk so much about how Chicagoans love tough mayors, but it's just all, I think, all residents, not all, but all cities is what I wanted to say, uh, have this this attraction to tough mayors, like a stern mayor uh, who's not afraid to get in your face and, and lecture you and then, you know, uh, to threaten to arrest you. I think all cities are attracted to that type. And, and so Bill de Blasio is so ineffective in part because he tried to deviate at the outset from that type. And it's been all downhill from him ever since. And then he just totally blew it. Boone, he decided in the middle of it all to run for president with no constituency whatsoever, no backing anywhere. May have been the biggest joke of a presidential candidate uh, in the 2019 roundup. But uh, I was thinking about this, D. Let's just listen to Lori Lightfoot there and how stern she is. She's really good at that. You know, and Rob, Rob wasn't as good at it. Rob was just mean and nasty. And Daly was kind of good at it too, but I think uh, Lori Lightfoot's right up there with Daly. Those uh, the more and more, the two remind me of each other. And uh, Chicagoans loved Mayor Daly. Still be electing a mayor uh, if he hadn't decided to quit. So Lori Lightfoot could be around for a long time, D. As mayor of Chicago, Mayor Ron wants to weigh in. Take a chill pill, man. <laughs> but wait, there's even more. Second, there will be no walking up to the bar. Breweries, taverns, and bars must have customers seated when eating and drinking and ordering. So I know we're all used to going up to the bar to order whatever it is that we want. That will not be allowed. People will come to your table where you are seated to take your order. Please make sure that you abide by this restriction on bars and taverns. Yeah, like I said, let's see where we're at in uh, in at Christmas time, D. Let's see where we're at with Christmas time. I don't think this is lasting. But wait, there's more. Third, personal services <laughs> requiring the removal of face masks should be kept under 15 minutes. Now, again, I know to get a shave, to get a facial in 15 minutes is a big ask, but it's an ask that we are making. Um, obviously for uh, public health reasons. And the employees conducting the service must have a face covering on at all times. And fourth, all places of business should provide hand sanitizer to customers and employees upon entry. Now, a lot of folks are doing a great job with that, but we want to make that practice uniform. That's important. 15 minutes for a shave? 
What do you think, D? 15 minutes? I don't know. Uh, the clock's ticking. <laughs> <laughs> don't cut me. Hurry up. <laughs> don't cut me. <laughs> All right, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She, she didn't have any comments about the lakefront, huh? Uh, no, no. She said no, nothing. No about the lakefront. Nothing about the lakefront. That's her favorite. That's no, her greatest hit. Nothing about the lakefront. But during the same press conference, Mayor Lightfoot also talked about the possibility of reopening school this fall. And that's not looking so good. Uh, she said that she would love to let students back into Chicago public schools in November, but still wouldn't commit to allow in-person learning this fall. Here's the quote from the mayor. Quote, we have to see more progress in order for us, I think, to have a conversation about in-person learning. We're not there yet. I don't want to speculate on the chances. It's something we are focused on every single day and we'll make an announcement relatively soon because we have to give parents and the school community enough time to adapt if we're going to make a change. The mayor said more decisions will come in the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, man, I've been thinking a lot about this. Dennis was telling me when he went home uh, to Alton, he was watching his uh, young nephew Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it uh, is your nephew, right? Yeah. Well, my um, niece was too, but she's she's old enough to where she can do it by herself on her own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, struggling with the, uh, the the virtual learning, and I have to tell you, we're going to bring a teacher on to get uh, take the deep dive on this. Uh, probably the teacher will be anonymous. Uh, <laughs> don't want to get in trouble with Lori Lightfoot if you tell the truth. Teachers tell the truth. That's it. Don't tell the truth. Um, well, they are protected by the union, so maybe they don't have to be anonymous. But um, I, I, I don't know how it works, D. I, I can't imagine it again. I just I don't like looking at screens anyway. Yeah. Uh, so five hours or four hours, whatever it is, of virtual learning. Uh, this is this is to me is the the biggest disaster. I mean, it's hard to say the biggest, but resulting from the pandemic, all the inequities that exist in our country are exacerbated because so much of, of, of child's performance in school is linked to his or her economic background. And the wealthier you are, the more you can spend to overcome whatever handicaps or obstacles are in your way. And that's just a fact of life. We all know that. Uh, and uh, so to a certain degree, going to a school and having that teacher there, having that teacher who can really help you out if, if in a perfect world, maybe having a tutor show up every now and then, uh, doing an after-school program, that's what a lot of kids, that's all they got to try to keep up with their wealthier counterparts who, again, it's just... They have the money. They're, they come from the, their parents have the money to pay for the tutors uh, if they need them, special classes if they uh, need them. If they go to a school, there's more likely than not, there's smaller classes already with, uh, with arts and music, et cetera, and so forth. And so now that we shut that down, to me, that team, we're going to see, uh, we're going to be paying for this for a long time to come. And it's really tragic and it's, that's the one part of this pandemic that, you know, I struggle with because I believe I feel for the businesses, the bars you were talking about, the restaurants you're talking about. But ultimately, I think they can come back. But I don't know how we're going to make up 
for uh, this lost years and last of education. Last year, I joked about it. I was like, well, you know, it's sort of like a snow day. You know what I mean? I was joking, making fun, like no kid is sad. Remember, they, the, the official line, yeah. they would give all oh, the kids are so sad. And I go, are you kidding? They're on their computers playing games. They're not sad. But now I'm like, you know, it's year two. It's catching up. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown up and I realize you got to go to school and learn something. So I don't know. There's no way around it, though. It's not safe in the pandemic to bring thousands of kids back into schools, old school buildings with bad ventilation. You're just asking for the pandemic, for the virus to spread. And uh, we see it. Notre Dame's football team, they had to shut down Notre Dame, private university. Uh, with their football team is got the facilities set up to protect them. Uh, they they didn't have enough players uh, to field a team this weekend. They had to cancel their game. So I don't know, D. I don't know how we can go back. I, I know there's going to be pressure on Lori Lightfoot to send us back to s- open up the schools, and she might succumb, succumb to that pressure. But I don't think it's going to be safe. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, uh, they're doing the right thing in the homeschooling, but just seeing it, you know, it's just it, it feels like we're they're taking ten steps back. It's just so frustrating for I just feel bad for the teachers, you know. They're like, all right, kids, uh, like my little nephew, he was doing his class, and the teacher's like, okay, now I'm gonna unmute all your microphones, and we're all gonna talk here. And she hit unmute, and it's just chaos. Like, ah! <laughs> you hear like parents, hey, get over here. You hear dogs bark, and it's just like, oh man. You know, like it was only a few hours. It's not a full day of school because you just, you know, I just I I hope they can figure out uh, to make it work. You know, it just seems like they took 10 steps back here in schooling. No, they will. They they have. And I'll tell you what, there are some kids who will do okay. And I I remember uh, I was visiting Erica Wozniak's class uh, when she was a school teacher. Erica, a good friend of the show. And uh, she was teaching a science class. And there was this one kid. D, who uh, was reading a book amidst the, the lesson. And I talked to Erica about him afterwards. And uh, she, you know, she told me that this was an exceedingly bright kid uh, who was like already ahead of all his peers. You know what I'm saying? It's like he probably already figured out what the science lesson was and on his own was just reading a book. And which I don't even know if it was about science. And when they had the discussion, he made a few comments that I could tell, oh, this is a really smart kid. And there will be kids like that who on their own will figure it out, you know, and they'll just sort of turn off. They'll mute the teacher and read their book and <laughs> yeah. they'll be okay. But that's like one kid out of 30, you know uh-huh. and I mean? The rest of us will be like, eh, what? When you carry the two, do you, do you, where do you, where does it go? Help me teacher. Yeah, my nephew was doing that too. Like he'd be, he would have the teacher on mute. Hey, Uncle D, uh, so just, hey, hey, focus, buddy, focus. Well, your your nephew may be really one of those smart kids who can have a conversation with his Uncle D. Uh, by the way, does uh, your nephew call you Uncle D- Doobie, Uncle Doctor Doobie? No? no, believe it or not, my little nephew, just, six years old, does not call me Uncle Doobie. Uh, just had to ask that question anyway uh i gotta get something off my chest d can i just say it right now or do you want to move on to the next uh, no no get that thing off your chest man 
Well, I just, uh, it was when I wrote that, that Tribune, uh, I just had to say this. Uh, I want to, first of all, thank you, Frank, for sending me that thing. And then, uh, so I was, I, I uh, was telling all my friends, oh man, the Tribune, you got to give them credit. They finally endorsed uh, Joe Biden. They realized that Donald Trump is a disaster. And then I saw the actual newspaper. And what a joke. This president uh, who could be going to prison if he doesn't get elected. I mean, there's that possibility, you know. So lots, lots of issues. It's lots of things at stake here. And the Tribune editorial page, it's like they're embarrassed to endorse Biden. So they have the Biden endorsement at the bottom of the page. And it's relatively small. And a huge endorsement of Pat O'Brien be that much more important than the presidential race. And it's because they're obsessed with Kim Fox, who's the Cook County State's attorney. It's like the future of the world hinges on whether Pat O'Brien can defeat Kim Fox. And I had this memory of a cover of the New Yorker magazine from like 30 years ago which showed the New Yorker's perspective, maybe been 50 years, it was a long time ago. It showed a New Yorker's perspective of the country. It was like a map of the country as seen from the, the mind of a, a resident of New York. And New York is at the forefront. And the further west you go, it's like nothing until you get to California and there's like a palm tree. And that's, that's the, the country to New York. Everything is New York. And for the Tribune, it's like everything is Kim Fox. Like, that's the most important thing in the universe. I'm like, you know what? This editorial is worthless. Four years ago when they endorsed Gary Johnson with big editorial. What a joke that was. Anyway, I just had, I had to get that off my chest. I mean, they, like, I was so excited. Oh, wow. The Republican newspaper endorsed Joe Biden. It was sort of like they were sneaking it out. All right, we got to endorse someone. And we can't possibly endorse Trump and have any credibility. And we'll really look dumb if we endorse whatever libertarian is running. I don't even know who the libertarian candidate is this year. So we'll just endorse Biden, but pretend we didn't do it. Get it over with quickly. What a joke. Shouldn't endorse anybody, Tribune. Sorry. You feel better? Feel better. Yeah, I had to get that off my chest. Good. All right. Good. And uh, hey, Joe Biden would uh, like to say something about that riff you just did. Play the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Oh, what's he gonna say tonight? I know he's gonna come back to that point. Kids hear words. <laughs> oh, his press people are like, don't ever say that again, dude. Uh, but hey, what? You got something? No, I was going to say, he could say absolutely anything he wants. He's getting his 45% of the vote, no matter what he says. He could just look at the camera and go, bah, 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 and people, yep, sounds good to me. I'm voting for him. And then Trump will go, no collusion. <laughs> no, he'll do. They'll start talking about uh, the environment, and Trump will do his windmill imitation. <laughs> 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 That's our president, ladies and gentlemen. And the other guy, uh, kids, hear words. <laughs> that's our president, and that's our local news for this afternoon. We do have more local news to discuss, but we're going to be doing that after our interview with Maya Dugmasova. Hey, you can follow us online at Vinny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, on Ben's favorite 
All three. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He loves all of them, all right? Uh, you can find us there at Benny J Show. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Uh, we got a few emails I need to go through, uh, and I'll respond to those. And, yeah, send us an email. If you'd like to uh, have your comment read on the program, put your name and where you're from. It's very helpful. Uh, so do that. And you can call us. That's right. We have a phone number. Not going to answer. But you can leave us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Call The Ben Jarofsky Show and leave us a voicemail. Uh, and before we wrap it up here, we want to uh, send our uh, send a message out to Ro, our good friend Ro. She's on the live stream chat. Looks like she hurt her wrist recently. Ro, hang in there. Be safe. Uh, you know, if you... Is there anything we can do to help you out? Maybe, like, I don't know, play uh, an audio clip that you like or something. I don't know. Just, you know, do that and take care of yourself. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah. Stay safe. Stay sound. Protect that wrist. You're awesome, Ro. Uh, All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break now. And when we come back, we are going to hear from our good friend, Maya Dugmasa. But, Ben, what are you planning on talking about with Maya? We're going to be talking about this epic article she wrote, That Lockout You Witnessed. It Didn't Happen. And... Uh, this is a classic reader story. And then, you know, we'll uh, probably get into a little debate talk and tax talk. Again, I'm going to, Maya's no ducking and dodging. Did she pay more than Trump did in taxes? She paid a dollar. She paid $1 more than he did. So I got a feeling she did pay more, but we'll see. All right. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in his attic. Maya Dukmasova coming up.
I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Maya Tukmasova is with me, the pride and joy of the Chicago Reader, epic uh, feature writer, political reporter, dogged investigative journalist. She's also one heck of an air guitarist, D. Uh, <laughs> while Michael Girardi was uh, singing that song, Maya was rocking up. <laughs> anyway, Maya, welcome to the show. This, uh, I told you already, I've said it already on the show. This is a masterpiece that Maya wrote of long form journalism, the kind of thing uh, that the Chicago reader, my beloved Chicago reader that I've been working for since the 1980s, since the Reagan administration, since the Harold Washington administration is famous for. And it's like, it's still so old school that it allows its reporters to take deep dives and this like little small stories that have like, like they're like parables about life. And uh, so Maya, you did a freaking great job and we're gonna, I'm gonna uh, lead you through this. You're gonna lead us through this as, uh, and I'll be following you, I should say, as you tell the tale that you, it all began because you happened to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, yeah. So. So this is my way as an introduction to something we're not going to talk about right now, because what I want you to talk about right now is to promote what you and I will be doing next Tuesday. So tell the people what we'll be doing next Tuesday. Go. Folks, the first Tuesday is coming back. We're back on Tuesday, October 6th at 7 p.m. For an online show, this is our first online First Tuesdays. This is our first First Tuesday since the start of the pandemic. Uh, we haven't been with you guys since March, and we thought it was just about time to come back in time for the election. So we are going to have a show with uh, Osira Nwanevu of the New Republic. He'll be our guest. He's a political writer, commentator, astute political observer. And uh, we're really excited to uh, talk to him about everything that's going on with this election. Osita has really spent a lot of time diving deep into American conservative movements uh, for a while. He's really got a lot of insights on that. And uh, I think he'll have uh, some interesting perspectives to share about what uh, we can expect to happen in November, how much this whole news about the taxes is going to matter, how big uh, and how important are these, you know, conspiracy theory uh, communities like QAnon are going to be. 
So we're really, it's, it should be a fun show. Um, it's online only. Tickets are $5 and they'll go to support the hideout, which is, as you might imagine, um, really struggling at this time, like a lot of live venues are. So to find out more and to get your tickets, you got to go to the hideouts Facebook page or the first Tuesdays with Maya and Ben Facebook page. Um, you'll see the links there. And uh, please, please, please come join us online and it'll really, really uh, help support the hideout and should be a really interesting discussion. And that's next Tuesday at seven o'clock. That's right. And you can go to, again, you can find the tickets at um, the first Tuesdays with Maya and Ben Facebook page, the hideouts Facebook page, and um, the actual link where the hideout is selling tickets for all of its online events, which by the way, they've transitioned most of their programming online now. Um, it's noonchorus.com slash hideout. So noon, N-O-O-N, chorus, it's all one word, C-H-O-R-U-S, noonchorus.com slash hideout. Yeah, no, I, uh, we were talking uh, before you came on, Maya, about uh, Lord Lightfoot relaxing regulations on bars and restaurants, uh, which I, my humble opinion, uh, Probably she'll be going back on that in a couple of months because I feel we have another spike. But it just brought back memories of how much has changed. And uh, I haven't been to hideout since the start of the year. Uh, And the hideout is it has been hit hard by this uh, pandemic, obviously. So this is a good way to support the hideout and hear some great political uh, talk from um, some people who are political junkies. So I urge everybody to check it out and just pretend like it's the old days where we're sitting in that back room, uh, you know, drinking beers and uh, enjoying uh, each other's company. So that'll be next Tuesday. I'll be talking about it more uh, as the week goes on. All right, let's take the deep dive and I'm going to start, I'm going to read a portion of this story uh, Maya, this is again Maya's story. It ran in the reader. You can see it online at the Chicago Reader. Uh, the lockout you witness, it didn't happen, is the headline uh, on this story. And uh, I'm going to read this little uh, portion of the story. Quote I couldn't stop thinking about what happened. The issues I've been writing about for years, eviction and policing, had converged right in front of my eyes on a random Thursday afternoon. It was the kind of incident I usually receive a tip about and try to report in the face of vehement denials of malfeasance from the landlord and a total lack of corroborating evidence from the police. I must confess that despite all I've seen as a reporter, I was unprepared for how nonchalantly the truth would be erased in real time and how quickly the systems of privilege that enable powerful men to do the wrong thing were mobilized to shield them from the consequences. Reporting this story underscored my own privilege too. None of the neighbors I spoke with were able to get much clarity about the situation on their own, while the tools at my disposal as a journalist led to most of our questions being answered. That kind of just sums it all up uh and why don't you start at the beginning how you stumbled on this story and take it away maya literally i was just on my day off coming out of my friend's place uh into a back alley parking lot and i saw these two white guys who i saw when i came into the parking lot and parked my car uh i saw them in their vehicle 
I noticed it because it was like a, it kind of a, it was a small parking lot and they were taking they were in the parking lot. So they were kind of like right in the middle of, of the of the spaces. And um, they had a weird license plate that said RUF, rough. And the guy behind the wheel, like, kind of, like, nodded at me and made eye contact. So I noticed them. And then I was literally inside uh, my friend's place to get some stuff for a few minutes. I came back out. I see these guys outside. And uh, I see that next door, uh, in the building next door, the tenant that lives on the third floor was coming home. This guy is like known in the neighborhood. Uh, I spend a lot of time over there in that area and at those friends place. And so I knew about this guy before. He's sort of got some erratic behavior happening, just like weird yelling, talking about monsters. He wears a tinfoil underneath his bike helmet. You know, it's like you kind of put the pieces together and you get the sense that maybe somebody's got some issues. So this guy comes back to his apartment and I see these guys who are sitting in the car go after him up the back staircase of the, of the, of the apartment building. And next thing I know, I see that, I mean, and so I started filming as soon as I saw them start to go out up after him. And, uh, cause I just had a feeling like something was weird was going on. And sure enough, they whipped their gun. One of them whipped his gun out and like seconds later, after the guy went inside, these guys are saying like, police, come on out. And they basically like extract this guy from, from his apartment. And I got this all on video. They were like telling him to get out. They were basically like it attempted to do an eviction. They were telling him the land, like he wasn't on the lease. The landlord doesn't want him there. Uh, management doesn't want him there, blah, blah, blah. So this whole entire thing happened in a matter of like seconds. And I just happened to be, I, I happened to start filming like right, right in the beginning to actually catch all of this action because then a bunch of, you know, the, the guy himself called the cops, the cops were called by like a bunch of be- different people. They were also like within like a couple of minutes, there were like at least half a dozen people out in that back alley watching filming. And so then like, I don't know, like probably about a dozen cops from the 24th district show up and immediately the, the guy who, uh, the, the tenant uh, was like saying, you know, these guys pulled out their guns. They said they were cops. I live here. Like they were trying to do an illegal eviction. And right away, the guy who had said that, who had claimed he was police said, I never said I was police. And then like, you know, all the neighbors standing around were like, no, actually you did. We all heard you. So uh, basically the whole kind of presence of the police on scene uh, and the conversations uh, that they had with people, all of that stuff took probably about like an an hour. So ultimately they, uh, one of the police officers had like a very lengthy conversation over zoom with the owners of the unit. So this was, it turned out later, this is all I, the details about whose people's names and stuff I found out much later, but the, the unit was a condo unit, uh, a unit in a condo building that was purchased through a short sale by this company called Greenspire that they own a bunch of condo units uh, on, in Rogers Park. So they had a tenant there who had lived there for like 10 years. So this the guy who had lived there for 10 years, who I call Marty in the story, he um, had lived there even with the prior owner, uh, and then stayed on as a tenant once that owner sold her unit to Greenspire. 
And last year, he, he it was a two-bedroom unit, so he invited this other guy who needed some help and he had recently met to come live with him, basically, and split the rent. And that's the guy with the tinfoil on his head, who I call Sam in the story. So Sam pretty quickly, like, kind of, like, didn't, like, stop paying the rent. Um, he basically kind of, like, I mean, according to Marty, he was smoking meth in the apartment and just was, like, increasingly uh, acting strangely, blaming Marty, like basically like saying that he was paranoid and saying Marty that was, you know, spying after him and messing with his bike and all this other stuff. So once the pandemic hit, Marty basically got the hell out of there because like it was not a habitable situation anymore. And over the course of the next few months, Sam proceeded to like kind of destroy the apartment and like dig through the walls and mess with the plumbing. And it was just like a really problematic situation. So the meanwhile, though, Marty was continuing to pay the rent because he was still on the lease. So the company, Greenspire, was still getting their rent every month. And w- once they became aware of the issues with this, you know, who they call the person they call a squatter here, Sam, they filed an eviction case against him back in April. But because eviction court is closed and there's a pandemic happening, there hasn't been any um, any kind of uh, action on that case. Technically, in these kinds of situations, if like a tenant is a danger to themselves, to, to, to other tenants or are like destroying the property, they are technically supposed to be allowed to have emergency hearings. But in this case, they haven't been able to have an emergency hearing because Sam hasn't even been served with any summons to court or any paperwork. Because the sheriff can't hasn't served him, and then they haven't been able to get a special, like a private investigator or whatever, to serve him. So he hasn't been served, so there can't be any legal action on the case. And so, uh, at basically, <laughs> the day that Marty's lease was supposed to end and his kind of relationship with the company was going to be over, they call him up out of the blue and say, like, "Come down here. We're gonna, you know, we're getting we're getting him out." Mm-hmm. So. It, on the scene, what we saw looked an awful like like an awful lot like a, an attempt to evict this guy. When the cops arrived and learned that the property manager and the, the the landlord didn't have an eviction order, that there was no eviction, they said like you guys can't. You know, this is literally I had this on camera. The cops were explaining to the landlord or who was like beaming in over zoom that um you know this you can't just lock someone out you can't just they had also changed the locks like they said you have to give them the keys you can't uh lock them out and basically you need to get an order an eviction order and the sheriff has to enforce it to get this guy out we can't take him out and you guys are like definitely can't just show up in here and you know and and try to change the locks and kick him out and the landlord was like trying to say well he's like a danger to others and the cops were like, well, no, I mean, we've got a bunch of witnesses here saying your people like had a gun out and sounds like they're more, of a, you know, they're more of a danger to others. The complicated thing about all this is that for the people in the neighborhood, like the, all of us who sort of know the area and know this guy, like this guy is not a great neighbor. Like we understand the frustration of the you know, people who have to actually live in a building with him and we see him all the time. And, you know, it's like a kind of an ongoing nuisance type of situation, but like suddenly seeing some like random people show up at his door with a gun, say they're cops and try to throw him out when like the guy's got some like 
you know, erratic, could behave erratically potentially, like all of that creates like a more dangerous situation for people in a neighborhood. So um, after this, all of these things went down, like, so the cops ended up leaving. They, they talked for a while with these, like the guys that were armed. Um, they didn't arrest anybody. The tenant was allowed to stay. And uh, that, and, and my, I and a couple of other neighbors all gave statements to the police about what we saw. We gave our names, we shared our contact information, we gave them our IDs, we told them we have video that we could share about what we saw, because we could hear that the the, 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 the guys with the gun were like denying that they were claiming they were police or that they had had a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so so anyway, so all so eventually the crowd disperses and we all go our separate ways and none of us who had given a statement heard anything from the cops. Like we didn't hear anything back. Nobody followed up with us. And so then, you know, I got back from vacation and I was just like, okay, like what is going on here? Started talking to the other neighbors. Nobody had heard anything back. Somebody tried to reach the alderman, got kind of a canned response from her office, from Maria Haddon's office, who, by the way, Maria Haddon also lives like right in that area and shared her building shares an alley with the same group of buildings where all of this went down. So, um, yeah, so I started digging around as a reporter and basically, um, it took me a very long time to get the police report. Like I had to file up first. I'd called the, the 24th district and they wouldn't tell me anything. They literally told me that I had to, in order to even get any information about what was in the police report, I had to call during the time that the person who had made the report was on duty. <laughs> like they couldn't even tell me the arrest, like the, the incident report number. They wouldn't tell me anything, even though I told them like I was one of the people who gave statements ended up going through the news affairs, the CPD news affairs team that deals with reporters. The guy there read to me from the police report. And I was completely shocked to see that like nothing that I or the other people who were there told him was like accurately reflected in the report. I ended up having to file a FOIA for the report, which they like really dragged their feet on. We were on the verge of suing them for it. They, they totally blew all their deadlines to get me. When I finally got it, uh, it was definitely like it didn't even mention me or at least one or two other people who gave statements. It only mentioned one person and it completely misrepresented what she told the cops. And um, it all it said about the guys with the guns was that these were like people hired by Green Spire, they were security guys. Meanwhile, through other means, I had found out because of the through the secretary of state's office, basically, I found out the identity of the driver of the car with the weird license plate, who it turned out was this guy named Ronald Rufo, who was an ex cop and uh, not a licensed security guard. His security guard license lapsed in 2018. So this guy who represented himself to be police was like a, a retired cop who wasn't even a, a currently licensed security guard. And on top of that, I found out <laughs> just from Googling around that this guy has for years represented himself as like a PhD expert on police suicide and has like, is like the author and an editor of several books about like sexual predators and police suicide and, and, and has been like quoted in the media as an expert on this issue. So, um, yeah, I, I, the, this is like, I guess, I don't know what, why he was doing the security work for the company, but 
the 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 landlord just completely denied that like any there was any wrongdoing. They said they didn't know these guys were armed, that they didn't know there was an attempt to evict, that there they said that it wasn't an eviction attempt at all, that it was fault and, and like in the video like it just it's like no matter what kind of facts I presented that were also captured on video, like they just kept denying that they'd done anything wrong or that anything or that anything kind of inaccurate, you know, uh, that any illegal attempt, eviction attempt had happened. They kept saying that they were just there to do, deal with some maintenance issues in the apartment. Um, and so ultimately, the thing that was like probably most outrageous about all of this was just the fact that like and most of the people I spoke with speculate that this was because these guys were ex-cops. So the actual cops were like, not going to get them in trouble. Mm -hmm. But but the most astonishing thing was that there was like the police, even though the police on the scene kind of did the right thing. They like didn't arrest anybody. They let the guy stay in his unit. They like properly enforced the law. But then like their official account of what happened, like just didn't match the reality and they basically like created a situation where they covered for the landlord and these ex-cops for like, you know, these things that they themselves on the scene had said were wrong. Mm-hmm. So there was there was like no kind of official record of any sort that like this company had done this thing or that they had hired people who had done this thing, that these people weren't cops, that like there was no there was just no paper trail about any of this. So if you were going to lo- go back and just look at the documents about the incident, you would have like a totally different impression of what had happened compared to reality. Uh, so basically uh, where, you know, by the time I was finished digging with all of this, um, one of the witnesses who the, the witness who was uh, actually named in the police report, had gotten like a call from CPD's internal affairs who said that they were looking into whether this incident was handled properly. You know, uh, this CPD spokesman told me that like, yeah, they're making, they're following up to make sure everything was handled properly. So I don't know what, if any consequences they're going to be for these cops for having like, you know, misrepresented the situation to such a degree. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be any consequences for these guys who claim they were cops and whipped their gun out and tried to evict someone. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any consequences for the landlord for, you know, having their representatives apparently attempt a lockout. But the entire thing is just like such a small potato situation, but it really gives you a feeling and like a sense of how, like, there, this happened in Rogers Park in broad daylight in front of like half a dozen people at least who were like people who were like ha- one of them happened to be a journalist and people who were like actively going to be like trying to hassle the police about this, talk to the aldermen, whatever. It just like gives you a sense of how easy it is for the police to just con- completely like operate with no accountability whatsoever in situations where like nobody might be watching or the people who are around are not considered to be people who like are gonna that anyone needs to answer to um it's really kind of a the the whole story is like a small microcosm about how yeah how people how people with power in this situation like the the property owner their armed representatives and the cops can just kind of like handle these situations however they want to and i really think that given the state of this like 
you know, the kind of person that this neighbor is, like, if we hadn't been out there, like, this whole situation could have ended much more tragically. Um, well, I, I uh, the reason why I was, uh, I, I love this story so much. Uh, I mean, it's well-written, well-reported and all that, but uh, it, it, it's classic uh, old-school, long-form journalism where one event which is, as you say, a relatively small potatoes event has uh, greater meaning as you take it apart. So thankfully, no one was hurt. The, uh, the gentleman for all his eccentricities and bizarre behavior is still in, the, in his apartment. Uh, and I believe when I read your account, and you do give credit uh, later in the story, the cop on the scene handled it very well. In fact, like they should give that guy like a medal for the way he diffused the situation, for the way uh, he stood up on behalf of uh, this tenant, uh, the the illegal tenant who is a very bizarre behaving individual, but he still stood up for him. And yet, and this is where it just reminded me of like Breonna Taylor and Laquan McDonald and George Floyd and all these other disputed cases. And yet the police just like couldn't like take the victory lap. You know what I'm saying? Maya? They couldn't just like report. This is what went down. No, they had <laughs> they had a like for their buddies. And so basically yeah. what, what what the older woman was able to find out, what Maria hadn't found out, was that so I, I could not myself reach the twenty-fourth district commander. Joseph Brandon is the new commander in the twenty-fourth district. I reached out to the CAPS representative who's supposed to be handling these things, never got an answer. But the older woman was able to reach uh, Commander Brennan, who then told her, and then she related to me, that both of these guys were ex-cops. So I got another confirmation these guys were ex-cops. And that one of them, he actually personally knew. So it, it's like, you know, just what would happen if these guys weren't ex-cops? Like if they were just random people who showed up to someone's house, said they were police, had a gun out, threw him out of his home. Like if these were just some random guys, like they would be arrested. There would be like felony charges for this. Hmm. But because these guys are ex-cops, I guess, uh, there's just like no consequence. There's no, there's no even record of their behavior to which like three or four people were willing to share their names and go on record about what they saw these people do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so if you were going to stitch together a narrative based on this event, and if you hadn't been there, if by chance you had not been there, and let's say you got a phone call from some outraged resident, well, mm. generally that's how it works with reporters. We are not the people who witness the incident that goes down. We get a call from someone who's really outraged. It would have turned into a he said, she said story, or, uh, and you would have gone on the police evidence and the evidence would have corroborated the, the landlord and you'd have walked away saying, well, the police were justified or the landlord or I, Lord was I justified. Would have, I would have, I would have understood the police evidence to be, uh, 
a neutral account of yeah. what I'm I mean, I listen, I given what I've seen doing this work, like I, I would approach the police evidence with a healthy dose of skepticism. But like generally I would have after talking to the landlord and the people who make these claim who are making these claims, I would have thought to myself, okay, well the police report describes a bit of like in some way describes a bit of what both people are saying. And it seems like the details are matching up with what the landlord is saying. I would, I would have taken it as like, as if the police were a third party with some narrative about all of this, but what I, what I saw happen and what I experienced in, in seeing this situation from beginning to end was that the police were not a third party. The police were like, the police and the landlord and these ex-cops basically created a narrative together. And the rest of us, like the tenant and the witnesses and the neighbors, like were standing there with, with our narrative and not, it wasn't even like a narrative. It was just literally like a recitation of what we had just seen Mm -hmm. that suddenly uh, seems like, you know, just kind of like crazy and out of touch with reality compared to this, like, neatly written narrative that's in the police report. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to read from your uh, story just to underscore how good a job the police did on the scene, which was completely. By the way, I don't agree they deserve an award for that because they were literally just doing their job. Fair enough. That's what they should be doing. Okay. But I will now read what you wrote. Okay, go ahead. Quote. Quote, the thing about the July 30th incident was that in front of the watchful eyes of many witnesses, the 24th district officers actually did the things police reform advocates say that they need to. They de-escalated the situation, treated all the parties involved courteously, called the balls and strikes. They were correct in stopping what appeared to be an unauthorized eviction and correctly explained the law to Greenspire. They made sure the more vulnerable party could exercise his rights and left the scene without funneling anyone into the criminal legal pipeline. In my humble opinion, they deserve a medal. Just kidding. You didn't say that last thing. I was just kidding. Um, But okay, you could say they deserve the issue of whether they deserve a medal for doing the right thing. Put that aside. The point is they did the right thing. And then they just annihilated it by making up a police report. And this gets at this is why it reminded me so much, Maya, about far more contentious cases. Like you said, this is you're right. This is small potatoes. But I remember something that uh, Brendan Schiller said, and he's a lawyer uh, who represents a lot of clients who come before police. And he wrote this Facebook post, which. Uh, was very controversial or something. I never believe anything the police say. This is something I've learned in my life as a criminal defense lawyer, all right? I'm paraphrasing what he said. And when I read your story, it's like, come on, guys. Like this, like it, there, if you can't believe what the police say about something this small, like, what do you think? Like, you think you can believe anything they say about when they shoot someone? Like, that yeah, that's the that's the mental conclusion yeah. that you're forced to draw because literally, what is the motivation for writing this bullshit in the report, other than to protect their buddies who who are like ex cops? So did you? Have, by the way, since the story came out, have you had any response from any of the uh, parties, like the police department or the uh, uh, 
the, the, the apartment owners, anybody, is anybody who was involved uh, contacted you with any follow-ups? No, or mean, after, as the story was publishing, when I finally got a statement from CPD about this, uh, they said, you know, if you have video to share, like, please send it to us. So, you know, once the story published, I sent them a link, said, like, the video's in here. Like, you can, <laughs> here, here you go. Um, but, yeah, no, I haven't heard anything else. I, what I have heard is, like, people have contacted me about other lockouts going yeah. on. So- well, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. The illegal lockouts, uh, like landlords taking the law into their own hands uh, with with the pandemic. That's like a there's so much going on in this story uh, that's relevant and important. And that's just like a whole other like a parable for Trump. Like I had the view of like Trump uh, supporting uh, those militiamen or whatever they are, vigilantes who walk through Kenosha with guns. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. It's like, oh, well, we we can't get an eviction order. We'll just send in these uh, retired cops or former cops. They'll have guns. They'll, they'll, they'll announce themselves that they're police. Then they'll say, no, we didn't announce ourselves for, as police. And you have the, uh, the videotape. And the other thing, I, as, a rep- as an old, old reporter, I had to appreciate this. When you got the phone call from the PR person for the police department who yeah. – Knew all he or she knew was what he or she read. I can't remember the, it was a man or what doesn't matter, but all, all they knew is what they had in front of them, apparently. And they go, Oh, there's no story here. Maya, how many times have, <laughs> have people told us, Oh, there's no, there's no story here. Just keep walking. And, and you literally, like they told the wrong person because you saw it. You know what I mean? It's like, but if you would, if you hadn't seen it, they were trying to talk you out of writing the story. Ah, there's no story here. There's nothing that makes me feel more like there's a story there than when people say there's no story here. Uh, I mean, also the the Greenspire, the people who the the landlord, the people who own the unit, they had also emailed the reader, and basically, like again, like gave their version of events, the quote unquote version of events, basically denials that anything that I had witnessed had happened. And then actually put in their email, like we would prefer if you didn't run this story. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they tried. Uh, And, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Telling a reporter that there's no story here. It, it, it's just it's like, a, it's like a it's like a request. It's like it's like saying, "Hey, please write about this." <laughs> I know. It just psychologically, it doesn't work that way. For one thing, by that time, a reporter has inve- probably invested a lot of time and energy on the story, so it's kind of irritating to have someone tell you, "Oh, your life has no meaning." Basically, okay, everything you did for the last two weeks doesn't matter. You know what? Another line they always use, or they have uh, Maya. I'll tell you. Like there, you may be taking a deep dive on something that the Sun Times uh, mentioned in passing, or the Tribune mentioned. And they go, "Oh, that's an old story." The Sun Times wrote about it. You know what I'm saying? They're like, "That's that." Oh, that's an old story. That sometimes that's another PR. So, um, so what's your takeaway from all this? Like you experience this. This is this. We'll go back to that opening paragraph. Like. You saw this. You witnessed this. My takeaway from all of this is that the, once again, we see how woefully, how few tools we have as like a society and a commu- like a city community 
to deal with issues that we that that the only thing that we have is like the police who can't who don't even like perform whatever duties we supposedly expect them to do like this person like the the facts here remain like these the the landlord is having their unit destroyed this person is like dealing with issues that are not really getting resolved whatever is going on with him like he's like doesn't appear to be well uh the the problem continues to exist which is that like the, uh, the neighbors who live next door, because by the way, like a few weeks after this happened and I included this at the end of my story, like the tenant like broke through a wall between his unit and next door. And mm-hmm. then like, again, the police were called and there was just like a platoon of cops who showed up to deal with this issue. Like dozens, dozens and dozens of cop cars came. There were like several dozen cops there to deal with this one guy on a Saturday night. They ended up taking him away and, I think they took him to a hospital, but he was back a few days later. Basically, like, the, the, the problem is persisting. The landlord is still in the pickle that they're in. The tenant is still in the state that they're in. The neighbors still don't have anybody to call but the cops. And then, like, the people who, like, who are fucking up and handling this are just not, there's, like, no consequences for them. So I just feel like my takeaway is that, like, Why, why why is the police the only entity that we have to call when we're seeing an issue like this in our neighborhood? Because they're deploying uh, apparently massive amounts of resources to deal with this little neighborhood problem. And then they're just like not even accurately reporting about it. They're not even like documenting it properly at all. Um, and, you know, People are like continuing to be frustrated by the fact that there's this person who's living next door who like can't apparently just be like easily swept under the rug and in this pandemic moment can't just be like, you know, just thrown in the garbage Mm -hmm. and disappeared from their lives. Like we have to continue to deal with this person. Um, So, you know, I don't know. I just it's really unfortunate that like, we just have like, we're supposedly this like extremely sophisticated, you know, society, industrialized society and whatever. And we just don't, we like, all we have is the cops and the cops who can't, can't be relied on to do their jobs. And like the problem doesn't get resolved. And the people who are the harmed parties in this case just don't get any justice. And it's just, it's like, you know, round and round things go. But what's clear is that, you know, I don't think that any more resources to the police department in this case, having, I don't know what more the 24th district could get to get better at solving this problem, because clearly like this isn't an issue that the police should even be dealing with. Mm, Other than making sure that that there's no illegal lockouts, which, which is, which is illegal, but they are not even, they're not even like, who know? like, can we rely on them to stop other lockouts? if this is how they document the lockouts that they do come, come out to deal with. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's really good journalism, Maya, and, uh, kind of a depressing story when I think about it. Uh, it's a small story, but it, it, it has, uh, has a lot of resonance. All right. Before I let you go, uh, I have to, uh, 
uh, ask you your thoughts about tonight's debates. Um, I assume you're, uh, uh, you've made up your mind about who you're going to vote for, but you're not going to tell us because that's the way we do it. Um, are you going to watch the debates? Uh, are you curious about uh, uh, how uh, Trump and Biden are going to approach him, or are you just disgusted yeah. with the whole spectacle? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch the spectacle. I suppose it's part of my job. <laughs> yes. But I'm more excited about our discussion next Tuesday at the first pandemic first Tuesdays uh, with our special guest, Sosita Nwanevo. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, tangent there. All right. And finally, one last question. Uh, did you pay more in taxes than Donald John Trump? Oh, you know I did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, me too. Feel a little bit like a sucker. But uh yeah. So yeah, folks, look at the Hideouts Facebook page. Look at look at the first Tuesdays of Maya and Ben Facebook page. You'll see the link to our first Tuesday show next Tuesday, October 6th at 7 p.m. Grab a ticket, they're only five dollars, and it really will help to hide out in this terribly difficult time. So uh, please come out. It'll be a good discussion. Very good. All right, Maya, thank you very much. Great job, as always. You take care. All right, Dee, before we head out the door, what you got for me, young man? Oh, first Tuesdays is back. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, man. First Tuesday is back. You know, virtual first Tuesday, D. Oh, I, you know, I'm sure you're looking forward to that one, the virtual first Tuesday. Are you all? Is it going to be Zoom? Uh, yeah, it's going to be Zoom. Uh, you got to get in there and talk him into Google Meet. Come on. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. I'm so happy I want to smash a bottle. You too? Yeah. Man, yeah. that's interesting yeah. that uh, you, you'd want to do that because uh, I was kind of feeling the same way. Hey, hand me that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just love that sound effect so much. Oh, Ben, with the bottle. Watch out. <laughs> anyway, that's good stuff from Maya, man. That, that story was that was unbelievable, uh, the way that story unfolded. Because she saw this thing with her very eyes. And then when she finally saw the police report, it did not... <laughs> it did not equate. Yeah, that was what she saw with her good for very eyes. Very interesting story. Uh, check out Maya's work at the Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, or uh, you know if you see it around uh, newsstands, go check that out as well. Always great having Maya back next Tuesday, guys. The first Tuesday is coming back post. I was going to say post pandemic. We're still going yeah, on we're in still. the middle of it yeah but yeah. in the middle of the pandemic we're still doing a first tuesday join them virtually 20 dollars says ben can't figure out the video huh that's what I, that's my bet for uh the first tuesday i'm just kidding it's gonna go well i'm calling my wife help anyway what you got for me d all right we got some news here that we need to talk about first off we have some updates some national news updates it is debate night uh and first off before we talk about uh the debate and our candidates here joe biden and kamala harris have released their tax returns. Yes, hours before the first debate and the Biden campaign called on the president to do the same. Ben, what do you think about that? We kind of saw that one coming, right? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, 45% uh, of the country is going to vote for Donald Trump no matter what. And so this is a pitch for the rest of the population. Number two, uh, it irritates me that issues like 
This is another one. We talked about the environment. We talk about health care. We talk about race relations. It only applies to Democrats. Republicans don't even have to play the game. So uh, the protocol, the standard, ever since Richard Nixon, uh, it, it goes back to the, the 70s when a newspaper uncovered the fact that Richard Nixon uh, paid, I think, nothing in taxes in one year because of his uh, machinations and maneuverings and uh, sharp accountants. Ever since then, presidential candidates have been releasing their taxes. Donald Trump says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to pretend. I'm just going to say I pay millions and millions of dollars and you're going to believe me. The New York Times gets the tax documents, proves that he's not telling the truth. And he goes, I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm still not going to release my taxes. So it's just frustrating that only one side has to play by the rules. There's only the rule. J.B. Pritzker got in trouble with his plumbing and his Gold Coast apartment or condo, mansion, whatever it is. He got reamed, justifiably so. He paid his taxes. That works for the Democrats. Republicans apparently don't have to play by those rules, at least Donald John Trump. So it irritates me. He grinds my gears. <laughs> Who used to say grinds my gears? Somebody used to say it grinds my gears. I think it's a Peter what? Griffin family guy reference. Really. <laughs> That's it. By the way, I know you got things you want to talk about, but I'm really dying to talk about wrestling. Oh, okay. Well, we have more updates here. Okay, uh, so let's talk Maybe about you have this. To hold off till tomorrow. Hey, on the you're wrestling son, thing. You're sounding like really me. Really want to talk some wrestling? It sounds, um, like. It sounds like me. No, we have some. Uh, you know, political news to talk about here, Ben. Uh, looks like uh, Donald Trump's playing dirty pool. Trump campaign attacked Biden for refusing to take a drug test or undergo inspection for earpieces before the debate. <laughs> I tell you, change the subject. The Biden campaign accused Trump of trying to distract from the presidential's debate performance by kicking up baseless accusations against his opponent. Let me just say this, guys. Now, this gets at the dementia gate. Oh, boy. All right. I'm just going to say it. They're both demented. You know it. And my good friend, Joe Rogan. I love Joe Rogan. But you got to call it both ways, Joe. All right. It's not just Biden that's a little beyond the bed. Trump. Half the time, he doesn't know where he's going when he starts a sentence. So let's be fair. All right. They're both a little old for running for uh, such a difficult and challenging job. What's Trump D? Is he 76? I think he's 76 years. 73 or four? Oh, he's spring chicken. Uh, Biden is 78. Where's Frank when I need him? I'll look it up. Frank, look uh, it up, buddy, and uh, get that before uh, you know before we end the show. Come on, Frank, let's go. P- putting Frank to work here. <laughs> Poor guy. What if he's not even there? You know. <laughs> no, he's but, there. Uh, I see him. He's on the live stream chat. What's happening, Frank? He gave yeah. you the song of the day request, dude. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So uh, yeah, I, I I think it's it's such a nonsense issue. Like, oh, Biden's more demented than Trump. Huh, have you ever heard Trump talk about uh, his COVID test, whether it's positive or negative? You're going to say he's less demented than Biden? That's your issue? That's that's what you're running on? D, I said it before, 45%, they're going with Trump no matter what. It's down to the other 55. All right, and also trending worldwide at the moment, hashtag DementiaGate. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's starting with the Ben Jarofsky show. What can I say, Dean? I don't even do Twitter. Huh? All right. The magic number is now 35. We're 35 days away from Election Day. You can feel it in the air. We have a presidential debate this evening. And right now, we have a new Illinois general election candidate campaign ad to play. Yes, it is time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Oh, yeah. All right. Today's candidate campaign ad comes from our election in the 17th Congressional District. Ben, for 10 trivia points, name one county in Illinois 17th Congressional District. Uh, as we go. Let me look here. Uh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I just made that up. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, I know. And if, from what, if you had, didn't have it in front of you, you'd have been like, wow, this guy really is good. I'm like, that's correct. But yeah, it's Northwest Illinois. You know, some some county. Rockford County in there? Uh, let me look here. Uh, no, 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 it's not. Rock uh, Island? Yeah, there you go. We I were, knew it was a rock something. Yeah, remember we talked about Rock Island rock. a few weeks ago. Speaking of, of The Rock and wrestling, he endorsed Joe Biden. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. But uh, we'll get back to your, like, your commercial because you know me once I start talking wrestling. Oh, yeah. We know you in the last two days. Once you start talking <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> Let me tell you, back in the day, before you were born, young man. I watch wrestling on Channel 32 with Marty. He's old, guys. The 17th Congressional District is in Western Illinois and includes Carroll, Fulton, Henderson, Henry, Joe, Davies, Knox, Mercer, Stevenson, Warren, Whiteside, portions of Peoria, Tazewell, and Winnebago counties, and, like we said, Rock Island County. Ben, remember we played uh, Rock Island's mayor a a while back. Take it away, Rock Island mayor. Update Rock Island. Yeah. We have Thursday night groove concert get your groove on with the class of 82 yeah hey, remember that guy hey i was in joe davies county once believe it or not i was in joe davies when you said joe davies I'm like, oh i remember bowing to joe davies if i recall i think lena don't quote me on this, this is in joe davies county right. Dave, once i get out of chicago i'm like i'm lost i know skokie avonston uh, that's pretty much it. All right, we're talking about <laughs> the con- get out of Chicago. We're talking about the congressional race in the 17th uh, district here. It's the incumbent Democratic candidate Sherry Bustos against mm. her Republican challenger Esther Joy King. And today's ad is from Sherry Bustos. Ben, do we know anything about Sherry Bustos? It's okay yeah, if you Sherry- don't. No, Sherry Bustos uh, is of the very moderate centrist persuasion. Uh, And she's not that popular with the Bernie crowd, to put it mildly. And she's uh, close to Nancy Pelosi, my beloved Nancy Pelosi. Oh, you love Babs, good friend, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And as such, uh, it was Sherry Bustos. Wasn't it Sherry Bustos who... uh, was overseeing uh, congressional re-election campaigns uh, and uh, was instituting Pelosi's policy that any what was it, any consultant who worked against an incumbent would not get any business from the National Democrats. And I, I, I totally oppose that. 
as much as I love Nancy Pelosi, I totally oppose that. It's like, you know, you got a lot of smart, creative people who are working against uh, some of the incumbents. You might want to bring them aboard. They can help you. This notion we're just locking everybody out. Ah, very big machine oriented. Didn't like it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so she's kind of a, uh, what you say, centrist, moderate Democrat uh, from a district, D, that I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe went for Trump in 2016. So she's got a walk of fine line. I've not heard this commercial, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a walk of fine line commercial, D. All right. By the way, we never quote you on anything. All right. <laughs> Good, because we could be wrong. Not that anybody cares. Look how far Donald Trump is going to just making it up as he goes along. And here I am so worried. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to give out wrong, erroneous information. So he was, don't quote me. I think it's this. Or I poor Frank checking us out, this, that, the other thing. Trump's like, what the heck? Nobody's paying attention anyway. Who cares? Speaking of, uh, Frank did weigh in. Biden, 77 years old. Okay, Biden, 77. 77, how old's Donnie? Oh, Young Donald Frank, Trump. Frank, it's okay. You don't have to look it up. We're about to end I'll the show. There you Let's go. Let's watch this. Frank. Here we go. Frank's putting uh, Frank I'll to work here. Uh, All right. In this ad that we're about to play, local news, in this ad we're about to play, Bustos is appealing to the rural community. She's wearing a hard hat and hanging out by a cornfield. Uh, ben, you look up Donald Trump's age, and in the meantime, we're going to play the ad. Here it is. Cue that rough and tumble shit kicker country music. Here's to the doers. The ones who feed the world and make America work, even in tough times. I'm Sherry Bustos, and I'm doing everything I can to get us moving again. Better trade deals so our farmers sell American products, new infrastructure projects, and demanding they use products made in America, not China. I'm Sherry Bustos, and I approve this message because we're doers here, and it's time to get to work. All right. Uh, that's... Uh... That's a classic commercial from a Democrat running in a district that's uh, win for Trump. You know, she doesn't say, I'm the Democrat, Sherry Busto. She doesn't go, I'm with Joey Biden. She doesn't go, I, she doesn't say, I love Hillary Clinton. Not that any Democrat would say that anymore. She's like, who's going to feed them hogs? <laughs> it's sort of a, who's going to feed them hogs? I'm a doer. Well, do, doers are like, I guess you could say doers has D like Democrat. So you're sending out that message. I don't know. Like, but uh, yeah, that is a, I'm just a doer. And then all the issues, like those are kind of like issues that Trump would want to call his own, like battling China. So, you know, I'm battling China too. Not just Trump's not the only, doesn't mention Trump. Doesn't say she's for him against him, whatever. So um, guys, I'm scared. Vote for me though, please. Yeah. Just vote for me. I'm not going to say anything bad about Donald John Trump. Man, I wish it was just, I know it would be political suicide. Some guy, some man or woman running in a uh, Trump district ripping Trump. Uh, Wouldn't that be so? By the way, it's a kiss of death. Uh, by the way, Frank did uh, beat you to the punch. 74 years old. Yeah, 74 Donald years Trump, old. Donald Trump, 74 uh, years old. Thanks, Frank. So 77 to 74. All right, you know. 
I guess uh, Donnie's the uh, spring chicken there, uh, D. No, they're both really old. Uh, and there you are, guys. <laughs> That's our uh, show for today. Make sure to follow us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Show at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, at gmail.com. Send us a message, and if you would like to have your message read on the program, uh, leave your name and where you're from. You can lie. You can make a name up. It's fine. We won't know the difference. And you can call us 708-658-4788. 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. We're not going to answer it. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we'll hold off uh, for a later day my discussion on wrestling. Uh, Dennis is going to line up a guest uh, who is a wrestling expert. I am obsessed with wrestling. Well, I booked Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's coming on the show tomorrow. Man, if you pulled that one off, that would be amazing. Hey, damn bad. Uh, Come on now. I'm going to whoop your ass. Uh, and uh, I want to thank Maya. She did a great job, as she always does. Oh, wait, Ben, before we go, you do have some requests on the live stream chat. And uh, I would love to get uh, the request in here. They want to hear you pound that table, pal. <laughs> uh, all right, let me set it up. I want to uh, thank Maya. She did a great job. Uh, and I want to say this. Damn. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I was going to say after damn it, but I just had to figure out, get that harumph in me to really get that table pounding going. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in all, without whom this show would be possible. Back home and all, as everybody knows, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. Hey, and tonight, be on the lookout for part two of our Ben Jarofsky show, uh, available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. If you're listening to this on download right now, go download that. It'll be available after 7 p.m. If you're listening on the live stream chat, go subscribe. Chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky, and uh, go sign up for it on uh, Apple and all that good stuff. Okay, bye. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Up Chief Rock Island, we have Thursday night groove concert. Get your groove on with the class of 82. Good afternoon, everyone.